Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? If you are truly in Jesus Christ today, then absolutely nothing can separate you from the immensity of the love of our Heavenly Father. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 8 and look at the overwhelming love of our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good evening and welcome to another teaching. It is a Thursday evening here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, just uh, making Jesus a bigger and bigger priority in your life. Um, it's important. I was, uh, you know, I was given some correction today on, uh, on the fact that I, I often, I'm often consistently exhorting us to love Jesus and serve Jesus more. And, and, and obviously, all of us should understand that that is the purpose of our lives. But at the same time, you know, we do want to spend our lives in growing to know that Jesus loves us and that, you know, he became a human man, lived a perfect life on our behalf that we could never live, died a torturous death on our behalf uh, that we should have died and is alive and risen. And he did all this because he he genuinely loves us. And so it is important as Christians that we not only grow to love Jesus, but we grow to know his love for us. Right, Wendy? So thank you, Lord Jesus. So I am blessed in this ministry that I have, uh, you know, I have relationships uh, with with literally dozens of people um, who, you know, who have the freedom to speak into my life and share their heart. And, and you know, that's what we want. Um, if someone has, you know, a, you know, a legitimate question, if someone has a, uh, you know, just a, a legitimate, you know, observation or concern at Kingdom Discipleship, we certainly want you to share it. Uh, a lot of the things we're doing now have come about because of that. My daughter, Kristen, had, uh, you know, had asked about six, seven months ago about, you know, shortening the teachings and that uh, it's hard for people to, you know, to stay locked in for 50 minutes. And so now we've done 30 minute teachings you know, through this book of Romans, my son-in-law, Nathan, um, you know, has given, you know, uh, a half dozen recommendations. My daughter, Lauren, has been exhorting me for years. And so, I'm a, you know, I'm a slow learner, so please forgive me. And uh, but yeah, so again, it's just about about not only loving Jesus and growing to love him, but also growing to know, you know, his love, you know, for us. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives, Father. We thank you, Lord, for this book of Romans, Father. We thank you for the immense revelation just hidden in this book, Lord. Father, we just, we just thank you. But above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. 
in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. All right, so today we're in Romans 8, and uh, we're going to finish, Lord willing, the chapter. We're going to do verses 31 to 39. Verse 31, Romans 8. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. Golly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, it really is uh, those verses 37 to, to 39 really do hit home. What I was saying in the, in the introduction there um, is that we really, really do want to more understand the love of Jesus and all that our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit accomplished for us at the cross. Look at verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we, we really do want to let that sink in, right, Nathan? That, that Jesus loves us and we are more than conquerors. Now, I don't know. I don't really understand how you can be more than a conqueror. We're not conquerors in our own strength. We're not conquerors in our own righteousness. We're not conquerors in our own goodness, right, Kristen? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through Jesus and in Jesus, we have ultimately, completely overcome sin. Not in ourselves at all but in Jesus and in receiving Jesus. You see that, Lauren? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look at verse 38. For I am convinced, and you and I ought to con be convinced, that this is the, the depth of the love of Jesus, the immensity of the love of our heavenly father, the overwhelming love of the Holy Spirit for us. Remember, we have a triune God, one being, three separate, individual, distinct persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, Paul says, for I am convinced, and let me say again, right, Rap, that you and I ought to be convinced based on the immense love of Jesus that he would come into this world for us that he would be tortured for us, that he would live a perfect life for us, right, May? 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, verse 39, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, we worship you. We bless you. We thank you. We praise you, Father. Father, for your love that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, we just worship you and thank you and praise you and magnify you. Wow. Are you convinced today? If you are genuinely in Jesus, if you are certain that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you are presently trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell, and to go to heaven when you die, then you too can be convinced. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know that without Jesus, you are hopeless, helpless, and desperate, right, Scott? Then you too, like Paul, can be convinced that neither death nor life, whether you die or live, Jesus has a hold of you. Neither angels nor demons, okay? Now, holy angels obviously are on our side, but Paul says angels or demons, no spiritual force, right? Uh, Satan is a demon. He's a fallen angel. Neither angels nor demons can separate us from Jesus or pull us away from Jesus. Neither the present nor the future, nothing you do or I do can separate us now in the present or in the future. Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, okay, Angels, demons are pretty big powers, nor any power that you can think of in anywhere, right? Or in any way, any government, any situation, nothing, Stephen, nor any power that can be imagined can separate you from Jesus. You're one with Jesus. You're married to Jesus. You're part of the bride of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. Wow. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, no matter how high you go to the highest heavens, how low you go to the lowest depths, nothing can take you, can take you away from Jesus. Nothing can take you away from the immense love of God that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. But again, it's only in Jesus. You know, again, I'm I'm trying to work. Again, I've been exhorted that uh, that I can come off too harsh. And again, I I ask anyone to forgive me. Okay, uh, it's not my intent. It's not an excuse. Um, you, you know, it's this is all real. When we stand before Jesus in the last hour of our life, every one of us is going to wish that we lived a more a more devoted life to Jesus Christ, our Lord. But if you know him today, if you've received him, if you are firmly and totally trusting in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, nothing can separate you from Jesus. 
the immensity of the love of your heavenly Father in Jesus Christ our Lord says neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know that? Are you certain of it? Okay, because before you can live for Jesus, before you can love Jesus, you have to know the love of Jesus for you and the immensity of it. And when you read Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39, it really ought to be. It ought to be something, just read it over and over and over and over, Alicia. Literally, right, Pop? Read Romans 8, 37 38 and 39, Becky, over and over and over until we really get it. And then and then out of understanding that love that Jesus has for us, right, Nathan? Then we spend our lives looking to love him in return. Wow. All right. So we we changed the order a little bit again because of the introduction. And uh, but now look at let's uh, look at verses 31 to 36. Paul says, What then shall we say? in response to this. So when he says in response to this, um, if you look back in verse 28 of Romans 8, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Famous verse, who have been called according to his purpose. 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. The reason that we've been called to salvation is that we would be more and more like Jesus, right? For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Why were you predestined? To be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Verse 30, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. In the last teaching, we went through these, these profound, overwhelming verses. Look at verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is working all things, everything in our life for our good, and again, the more we love him, the more we show love for him, the more we will experience this in our lives, right? What then shall we say in response to this? In response that all has been done for us. Verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's hard, right, Kristen? Sometimes we live in fear. Sometimes it's hard not to live in fear. We all struggle. We have, we have a sinful nature that's driving us. Um, again, the power has been taken from the sinful nature, but the sinful nature has not been eradicated, right? I was talking to my, my daughter, Lauren, this morning, who was exhorting me to do better, and, and I need it. Thank you, sweetheart. I, I mean that. I actually did pretty good with my daughter, Lauren, this morning. She actually said, good job, Dad. Amen. Um, you know, we really, really do need each other. I don't know if there's a man that has more blind spots than me, um, but I am thankful for the people in my life. And, uh, you know, I am thankful for those that, uh, that I'm in relationship with and that we do have a freedom to, you know, to share with one another. And everyone has a freedom to share with me. Now, again, it has to be legitimate. It has to be founded. It has to be grounded in the Bible. But our desire ought to be to receive from one another um, that, that we might live a life that's more pleasing to Jesus and helps others grow to know Jesus, grow to know the love of Jesus, and grow to know uh, how to love him more, right? If God is for us, 
who can be against us, Kristen, right? Meaning uh, our father sent his only son to die. Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Okay. Now, again, there's a strong word that that the father gave up Jesus for, for everyone. Some believe that Jesus was only given up and crucified for the elect. And others believe that Jesus was given up and crucified for everyone in all humanity, in all history. And we're going to get into that doctrine more in the next chapter in Romans chapter nine. But again, if our heavenly father is for us and in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, right, Corinne, along with him, graciously give us all things? He's given us Jesus. You know, I spend, uh, I spend a good deal of my praise and worship and, and thinking about Jesus and the fact that he would willingly become a human man, even for me that he would live a perfect, righteous life <clears throat> for me that I could never live, that he would die a torturous death on my behalf that I should have died. But at the same time, what was it like for the father to send Jesus? And Jesus of his own will obeyed the father. And again, this is all difficult to understand the mystery of the Trinity because Every person of the Trinity is almighty God. Um, but the father gave Jesus the son, sent Jesus the son. And the hurt and the pain of sending your own son, the more we understand that, the more we understand, right, Chris, all that was given to us in Jesus, all that the, the father provided for us. Again, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your willingness and for the, the pain that you, you must have endured in pouring out the sin of the world on your perfect son, on Jesus Christ our Lord, because you loved us so much, because you wanted reconciliation with us so much, because you wanted us to be your children that you didn't even spare Jesus out of your love for us. Father, we just worship you and thank you and praise you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How, he, how will he not also along with him, he's given us Jesus, graciously give us all things. You notice it says graciously there, right? Oh, I was reminded today of the word grace. Um, I, our Father has given us Jesus by grace. We don't earn it, okay? We couldn't earn it, Scott. Um, Jesus is, was given to us by the grace of God. The grace of God is his unmerited favor toward us. We cannot earn it ever. We don't deserve it. We deserve hell, right? But he's graciously given Jesus so that we can be reconciled to him, so that we can be his children, so that we could have the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our souls, spend eternity in heaven. Kristen, check this out. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So again, it's hard sometimes in this life when trials and difficulties, and Paul's been speaking about this in this chapter, 
when these come into our lives, it's hard to not fear. It's hard to not doubt. But as sure as he's given us Jesus, he will graciously give us everything else, right? Every blessing will be ours in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow, look at verse 33. Who will bring any charge against against those whom God has chosen? 33, Romans 8, 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So you have here a picture, and we do have a spiritual enemy, the devil, Satan, who is consistently accusing us before the Father, who's consistently pointing out to the Father where we fall short, where where we don't, you know, where we have failed. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. What does that mean? Well, it's our heavenly father who sent Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die in our place, to be punished in our place, to be judged in our place. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord, we are declared not guilty of sin and righteous before God. So it's our heavenly father who has justified us. So it doesn't matter how many beings, it doesn't matter if Satan, it doesn't matter if anyone comes before our heavenly father and points out all the wrong we have done. And we have done wrong, right? We've done an immense amount of wrong. But 33 May says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It doesn't matter the charges that are brought up against us. It is God who justifies Our heavenly father is the one who has declared us not guilty of sin and righteous before him based on what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf and in our place. It's a, it is a miracle. Wow. Father, we worship you and thank you. There can be no charge. So if, if you hear the devil speaking in your mind that you're not good enough, and I'm talking about your salvation now. Okay, every one of us, okay, needs to understand the difference between salvation, okay, being justified, being declared not guilty of sin, righteous before God, being forgiven of our sin, receiving eternal life, receiving spiritual life, going to heaven when we die, becoming children of God. Our salvation is not based on anything we have done, okay? It comes only by trusting and receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. After we've been saved, as we read in verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, why? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. After we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we spend the rest of our lives in cooperation with the Holy Spirit in becoming more and more like Jesus and becoming less sinful in our everyday lives and sinning less and becoming more like Jesus, becoming more Christ-like in everything we do. That's the purpose of our salvation. So we're talking about here, you know, about being saved. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Your justification, being, being declared not guilty of sin and righteous before our Heavenly Father, before God the Father, is a one-time event, okay? It it, it happened at the moment you genuinely received Jesus as your only Lord and Savior, and you were made right with God. You received eternal life, and never again could any charge be brought against you. 
God has declared you righteous. Your heavenly father has said, based on what Jesus Christ has done, I have declared him or her righteous in my sight, not guilty of sin. It's over. It's done. Doesn't matter what anyone else, anyone else has said. Why? Look at verse 34. Who is he that condemns? Who could possibly condemn you? Who is he that condemns? Verse 34, look what it says. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So if anyone decided to condemn you, you know, if we were going to be condemned, Jesus could condemn us. But not only does Jesus not condemn us, he gave his life for us. Who could possibly condemn us? Again, Paul is speaking now about your salvation, about going to heaven, okay? Um, and again, being forgiven of our sin, being children of God our Father. Paul is laboring to show us in these just, just these overwhelmingly powerful, beautiful, and just, uh, you, you know, just even poetic terms how, you know, just, just what has been accomplished and how we ought not live in fear of the next life. Who is he that condemns? He just said it is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? If our heavenly father has declared us not guilty of sin and righteous before him, who possibly can condemn us? Now, on top of that, Christ Jesus, who died, Jesus just died in our place. Okay. He gave his life in our place. Uh, you know, the life, the death that we should have died, Jesus died on our behalf and in our place. Who is he that condemns? Verse 34, Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. So again, Jesus died in our place. He was punished in our place. He suffered in our place. So it would be wrong for our heavenly father to, to charge us with sin or to condemn us because he's already put all that sin on Jesus. It's, uh, again, Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you. Do you see it, y'all? Wow. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life. Jesus is alive and risen. Look at this. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And this is hard language because, again, Jesus is almighty God, equal with God the Father, who's almighty God, equal with the Holy Spirit, who is almighty God. So, again, the work of Christ at the cross and in his resurrection consistently speaks on our behalf, is consistently interceding for us. OK, uh, some read this as if Jesus is actually up there praying and asking for God the Father. But again, this is, you know, for God the Father to keep us. But again, you, this, is, this is hard language because again, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, they're all almighty God. They're all omniscient. They know everything. They're all omnipresent. They're everywhere at every time. And they're all omnipotent. They all can do anything. They're all powerful. So again, they're always all in agreement. It's not like the father says to Jesus, hey, you know, I'm thinking about this. Maybe I'm going to condemn this person. And then Jesus says, oh, father, please don't condemn that person. You know, um, you know, I pray that you help them. Jesus is almighty God. 
Okay, so it's not like they have conversations about what's going to happen. So again, uh, I think this verse is best understood in understanding that the, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is always interceding for us so that nothing can condemn us if we have truly received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Right, Stephen, if we receive the gift of salvation that Jesus lived on our behalf, he died on our behalf, and he is indeed alive and risen. Wow. Who is he that condemns? How can we be condemned? We've been justified by our heavenly father, Christ Jesus, who died on our behalf and in our place, a death we deserve to die. More than that, who was raised to life. Remember, if God the father was not satisfied with the life and death of Jesus on our behalf and in our place, he'd have left him in the grave. Okay, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that actually authenticates our Christian faith. When God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he was saying you can fully trust in what Jesus has done on your behalf and in your place. And I'm going to validate that by raising him from the dead. Again, the resurrection of Jesus is God the Father's seal of approval that he was fully satisfied in what Jesus did at the cross. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In light of all this, how could we ever be separated? And notice it's called the love of Christ. Jesus did this out of his love for us. Shall trouble or hardship, when you get in trouble or you're having difficult times, are you separated from the love of Christ? Never. I mean, when we're going through trouble and hardship, Jesus loves us and he's always loving us, but we ought to experience his love even more. The devil is the opposite. When you're going through trouble or hardship, he's his most vicious. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What does Paul mean by sword? Meaning you're put to death. Sword. You're literally decapitated. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Sell any trouble or hardship or persecution you receive or famine when there's no food. Will that separate you from Jesus? Never. Or nakedness. You literally have no clothes to wear. Or danger. When you're in danger. Will that separate you from the love of Christ? Never. Or sword. That even means death. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's Psalm 44, 2, Paul is quoting. As it is written, for your sake, for Jesus' sake, we often go through trouble and hardship and difficulty. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then again, he ends it. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through Jesus for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we worship you. We bless you. We thank you. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that somehow you didn't spare Jesus. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us, for living that perfect righteous life that I, that we could never live, for dying that torturous death that I certainly deserve to die. And we thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you, our only savior. Holy Spirit, we praise you, we thank you, we worship you. We ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. Seal it to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, Amen and amen.